We're starting a brand new series called The Thrill of Hope. I walked down the stairs this morning at about 4.30. I've done this before, and I've mentioned this before. And what did I do? Foot came out from under me as I was going down my hardwood steps, and I completely bit it and fell down the stairs at about 4.30 a.m. in my house. I was carrying a glass of water. The water went up and literally landed right on my head and my shirt. You ever, you ever have these moments where you're like, I, I am failing so bad right now. I literally just sat down on the steps, soaking wet. Literally, water is just dripping off my eyebrows. Amy's asleep. And I just was like, okay, deep breath before I get a hammer and hammer my steps right now out of anger. Jesus, you must have a great message for the church this morning because Satan is trying to kill me by taking my life in my stairwell. Guys, joking aside, I'm excited about the series that we're in. I love December. If you're like me, you love maybe just the Christmas season at large. You love, you know, there's just something about the weather getting colder and the fire in the fireplace, right? And maybe a little hot cocoa and maybe a Christmas movie on. Maybe the family comes in town or maybe you go to see them and you, you know, you do the Christmas puzzle or there's just the traditions that you do. But you've got to hear me this morning because if you have grown up going to church, if you've been a part of a church, if you've even been a part of this church for very long, it is easy for us to get into a rhythm. And while rhythms are good... And they provide consistency. If you're not careful, it can also just begin to erode the wonder of what it is that we're celebrating. The wonder of Christmas. The thrill of hope. Christmas is a special time. Because we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And I realize some of you might be in this room and you are on the fence And so whether or not you believe in Jesus, and that's okay. This is a great place to knock on that door and explore a little bit. But I'm going to preach a message, and you need to know sitting here this morning that I 100 billion times percent believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and that he was born 2,000 years ago for you and for me. That in the midst of my sin, he pursued me. In the midst of my brokenness and my shame, he pursued me. When I was hiding, he came after me. And that's why Christmas is a special time. It's not just about presents. It's not just about Christmas blend at Starbucks. I know some of you are super excited about that. It's a lot more, isn't it? Let's pray, and we're going to get in. Uh, to the scripture this morning. Father, be with us. God, as we start, uh, as we read from your word, as we read from the scriptures, I'm asking God that you would illuminate this story to us. If we've heard it a thousand times, God, would you let our ears hear it as if it's the first time? God, let us be struck with wonder and struck with the hope of the gospel afresh this morning. God, I pray it boldly for us in our church today. God, whether we're here for the first time 
whether we're in church for the first time, God, whether we're in pain, whether we're having the time of our life, God, be with us and speak to us this morning. Amen. I wrestled with this message a lot. And you might even catch some of that tension as I'm teaching and preaching this morning. And it's not because hope is a difficult situation or a difficult conversation to have. It's an exciting one to have. But sometimes the, the scope of hope is so big that as you speak to one, one area and you don't speak to another, it can feel like, how, how is hope, how does that, what does that mean for me? What does that mean in the midst of my life? In the, means, in the midst of my difficult situation. And one of the things that we do, and we do a lot here, is we preach in such a way that you can actually grow and apply the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. You should be able to leave church and actually not just attend a party, although it's fun to party, but actually have something that's helping you grow. You should be able to take this word and begin to infuse it into your marriage, into how you parent your children, as you're raising your teenagers, on your college campus, at work. The gospel should be alive in our life. But because we speak oftentimes to the details of our situations, sometimes it's easy to miss the, fa- the, the story from 14,000 feet. Because there's a big story there as well. And this morning, we're going to look at the bigger picture today of hope. And I know some of you need to hear a message of hope today. You need it. You're desperate for it. And I believe God is going to meet you here today. Turn uh, in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 2, 8 through 16. And while we do, I'm going to just share with you one of my favorite things about Christmas is Christmas carols. I love to sing Christmas carols. Now, I don't like to sing them all year round. Some of you maybe, does anybody do that? Does anybody listen to Christmas music all year round? My mother used to listen to Christmas music all year round. That was her thing. She loves Christmas music. Not me. I do not do that. But I love the song. One of my favorite Christmas carols is Oh Holy Night, which is what inspired the series that we're in. And I want to read to you just a few of the words from it. It was written by a Frenchman. He was petitioned by his parish priest, to write a poem for a Christmas Eve service. He was a casual attender at best. And in his horse-drawn carriage, he penned, while he was sitting in the back of it, bumping around in his carriage, he pens the, 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 the words to O Holy Night. And then he calls his friend because he thinks it's pretty good. And his friend is Jewish. And the Jewish composer puts it to song. And in about 1840-ish, O Holy Night became a Christmas church sensation. 
And his job as he was in the back of his carriage was he thought to himself, what can I do to put myself onto the scene the evening that Jesus was born? How can I think and taste and feel what this must have been like? And as he tried and read the scriptures and tried to put himself into it, this is what he wrote. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I love that. The soul, your soul, felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new glorious morn. Powerful words. And I want you to think about them as we read the scriptures this morning. I want you to do what our, what our writer and composers did. Is they tried to put themselves into the evening that Jesus was born. Let's do your best today. Luke chapter 2. If you've heard the story before, try to hear it with fresh ears this morning. <clears throat> there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Okay. If you're a shepherd, you've probably been doing that thing for a minute. Your parents probably were shepherds. Your parents' parents were probably shepherds. It's probably routine as you know it. Doing your thing on the field, you might be getting even sleepy, right? I mean, it's, it's probably a cool, there's a cool briskness in the air. You know, the, the sky is clear. You're tending the sheep. It smells, but you're used to it. It's hard work, but you've been doing it a long time. You got your, your friends that you're doing this with, probably many of them even family members, some servants for sure. You've got the occasional chatter of sheep 
as they're wandering around, as they're eating, as they're resting. And all of the sudden, in the midst of your night at work, the heavens rip apart and an angel appears. And your response is what everyone else's response would be. You are terrified. I'm getting ready to die right here, right now. I'm going to die. Or I'm going to be abducted by an alien, one or the other. If you've ever just seen a bright light and an angel in the sky, I'm going to go out on a limb and say most of you have not experienced that. But if you did, you're thinking one of two things. Aliens are real and I'm getting, I'm being taken out of here or I'm going to die. And the angel says, no, 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 I've got great news for you. In the town of David, a savior has been born to you. And if you were terrified at the the sight of one angel, now a host, a multitude, and the scriptures tell us that number means about a thousand. One angel, a thousand angels. And they're beginning to say the words. We, We ascribe to them as if they were singing. The scripture doesn't actually say that they were singing, but they were saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Can you imagine And then the whole thing is done. And what do you even do? Who is the first shepherd to open their mouth after this moment? You know, (laughs) if you've ever been to a gripping movie that just has an ending where you're just, you're shaking at the end of it. You don't really want to talk. You don't want, you don't want your friend to talk either. You don't want anybody to talk and mess up this moment. Who's the guy who's like, well, I guess we should go to Bethlehem. Let's see, what, let's see what the angels are talking about. But somebody did, and away they went. And we see the angels, the two things that we see them talking about outside of being giving glory to God is we see them announcing a message of joy and a message of peace. And while the word isn't used, It's a message of hope. The thrill of hope because a weary world has been waiting. You feel weary today? Feel tired? Feel worn out in your heart? I've got great news for you. It's Christmas time. And we get to celebrate afresh Jesus Christ being born for you and for me. Hope is a funny word because we use it all the time, do we not? I realize I'm sweating. I, I wasn't planning to wear a jacket this morning. Then I thought, I'm going to spiff it up. It's a little chilly. And then I got here and it was 9,000 degrees in the cafeteria. So I apologize. 
But what is hope? Let's talk about this for a second because many we use the word hope very, very open. We use it probably every day. You probably say something that you're hoping for. If you've got kids, you know they're hoping for different presents, and specific presents at Christmas. But we use hope oftentimes interchangeably with wishful thinking. As if to hope is to just kind of, you know, have a good wish for something. To have some positive vibes and good energy towards this thing, right? Ah, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that the Falcons will make it to the Super Bowl. Some of you are hopeful. Some of you are dreaming. Oh, no. Ouch. Hi, I'm actually in great faith for the Falcons, in, in expectancy. Some of you are haters. I like that. But guys, the word hope means to have expectation. Expectation. Uh, specifically, um, sorry, the, the word is confident expectation. That's what it means to hope. And the reason I'm taking the time to talk about it is because right now, especially this time of the year, you see it penned on everything in nice calligraphy and nice cursive and put on wood and it's sold for 50 bucks. And you take it home and it's the latest Christmas decoration. You know, you've got hearth and home at Target and peace and joy and hope. And your house just looks all spread out, Chip and Joanna Gaines style from Target. And, and we, we love these words. And the reality is we don't even know what hope means. It's confident expectation. And when we say that our hope is in Jesus and our hope is in you alone, it means that that we are expecting you to move, God. Our hope is anchored in you. You are the one. And I'm not just looking to you, God, with wishful thinking. I am standing and I am trusting that you are going to move. And I'm hoping, God. I hope. And so Paul writes in Romans 15, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we read the story of Jesus being born, we read about peace and joy. You don't see the word hope, but yet Paul is reminding us that we experience peace and joy. How? As you trust in him. You see... I don't know about you, but I want to trust in him and I want to have peace and joy. I want to have peace and joy before I trust in him. If there's ever a prayer that we pray, it's God give me peace. And somehow, Paul is connecting the dots and he's saying if you want to have true peace and you want to have true joy, then it begins with you trusting in the God of all peace and the God of all joy. It's not this separate experience. And then because you have it, well, now I can trust in Jesus. No, you trust in Jesus. And as you trust in him, it's amazing what happens in your heart. You begin to experience 
fresh peace and a fresh joy. And who is it that you're trusting in? Paul says he is the God, but he isn't just a God. He is the God of hope. He's the God that you can give your confident, trustworthy expectation to move towards. You guys with me this morning? I realize I'm, I'm doing a lot of explaining because there's a bit of just pulling back the curtain with Christmas because we become desensitized to these words. Track with me this morning because, once again, you've got these shepherds, and if you're unfamiliar with the story, it has been 400 years since anyone has seen or heard God move in this fashion. As a good Jew, whether you are a shepherd or whether you are a Pharisee or, or a Sadducee, it doesn't matter if you were a Jew, you would have grown up hearing about all the stories of how God moved in your people's history. Whether you tended sheep or whether you were teaching the law, you would have known them. And yet, All of the sudden, not all of a sudden, for the past 400 years, you haven't heard or seen of God moving in any way, shape, or form like the stories that your parents told you about. Like the stories your parents, 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 parents talk about. You read the Old Testament and you're, you're going to temple and you're experiencing worship. And yet, here you are putting your faith in a God, but a God that you haven't actually seen do like you read about Him doing. It's been 400 years of what we call darkness where God is quiet. And out of nowhere, in the middle of a night, while you're tending sheep, whew, the heavens open. And you get to encounter Jesus. Excuse me, you get to encounter God for the first time in 400 years. Abraham encountered God, and if you remember the story, he, they weren't able, he and his wife weren't able to have children, and an angel showed up and appeared to them and called him to have hope and to have faith. Trust me in this. You're a hundred years old, Abraham, but you're going to be the man that I use to build my nation. But you got to have hope. Okay. Gideon. I'm going to reduce your army over and over and over again, and I'm going to send you to fight against the Philistines. You're going to be outnumbered. You're going to be outclassed. You're going to be out everything, but you're going to win. But you've got to trust me. Put your hope in me. 
David, I realize you don't see how you're going to be king. You're the smallest. You're the shepherd boy. You're the one that isn't even invited to the party for Samuel to anoint as a possible option to be king. But you're going to be the one who's king. I realize you don't see how it's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. But put your hope in me and trust me. Over and over and over. Moses I realize, Moses, that you had the most miraculous birth and that you should have been dead, but I've set you apart for a holy purpose. And even now you're telling me, uh, as the God of heaven and earth, that you can't do this. And I'm looking at you, Moses, and I'm saying, you're my guy. I'm going to use you. But would you trust me? Would you put your hope in me? And I'll use you to set my people free. Joshua, I realize the enemy looks bigger and looks badder and looks all these different ways. But would you put your hope in me and trust in me? And I will use you to bring my people into the promised land. See, we see this pattern of people trusting in a God that they see and a God that is showing up to them in miraculous, huge, undeniable ways. And then this very same God goes quiet for 400 years. Have you ever felt like that? I'm reading... I'm reading this Bible, whether it's the paper version or whether it's the one on my phone, and I see a God that's doing this and this and this. But I feel like I'm in the middle of a dark night, and I don't see Him, and I don't hear Him. You see, we experience these dark moments, and it is the greatest testing of our faith to keep our hope anchored in who God is. And as we do, it's amazing how we can have peace and how we can have joy, but we have to make the choice before we encounter peace and before we get all that joy to rest our hope and faith in this God, regardless of what we see and regardless of how dark it feels. See, Christmas reminds us that light drives out the darkness. See, in the book of Isaiah, prophet Isaiah prophesied thousand years beforehand. I don't even know how much time. I probably should have gotten the exact date for you. I don't know how many hundreds of years Isaiah prophesied before Jesus was born, but this is what he says. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Why? Because to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. See, that's who Jesus is. And when we talk about hope, I, you got to understand that as we get further into this series, this is going to make much more sense in the practical details of your life. But we have to start with the big picture. And the big picture is that there's a large group of people who have heard about God and, and, and heard stories about God moving, but they haven't tasted it for themselves. And out of nowhere, God reminds them that He is a God that drives out the darkness. That in the midst of this great shroud that has covered them, the light has come, the morning has arrived, and the darkness is finally gone. Surprise, you haven't heard from me in a minute. It's not because I wasn't there. It wasn't because I didn't hear you, but I had to allow some things to happen in your life that you would get to a place where you would need me as a true Savior. When I look around our culture right now, I'm thankful for the salvation that Jesus provides. That's why there's joy and peace, by the way. When the angels announced it, when they're proclaiming it, and they're rejoicing, it's because you and I get to look around, and it might look a little bit dark. Things might be fuzzy. Things might be difficult. Things might be excruciatingly painful. But the good news of Jesus Christ at Christmas is that this isn't the end of the story. What you see is actually not what you get. There is eternal life to be experienced in Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. But sometimes we are so used to church and we're so used to kind of bopping along that we forget the unbelievable, miraculous moment that took place right here 2,000 years ago. And when I look around our world and our culture, what is it that we see? In 2017 alone, we've got just... We've got sexual harassment cases coming up left and right. We've got race tensions happening across our country. We have people dying. We have sickness. We have disease. We have hopelessness. 
When you watch the news, you don't see things that are great. You're not hearing good news. And you're not only just hearing bad news, you're hearing large-scale things that are happening. What is it that we need this Christmas, church? Is it truly that we just need a, a, a nice Christmas tree with a bunch of presents under it? And I'm not cracking on it. I'm not, I'm not telling you not to do that. But I'm letting you know right now that the hope of the gospel isn't that we would open presents under a tree. It's that Jesus Christ came to drive out the darkness. And that we need him. And that right now in 2017, what is it that we need? We need more of Jesus Christ. We get to pray his kingdom come, just like he invited us to do. And what is it that the scriptures say? In Romans 15, it says that the overflow, that we will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We as a people, I realize we all have specific needs, and I'm not making light of it. We're going to get to that in the series. But before we can get to it, we need to be reminded of this story. The one where light appears and drives out darkness. And the people who encounter this story are filled with peace and joy and the thrill of hope. And that hope is so gripping. It's so pervasive. It's so life-changing that Paul reminds us that our life literally overflows with it. Even in the midst of our storms. Even in the midst of difficulty. Jesus came to bring hope to the hopeless faith to the faithless. And that is the beauty of Christmas. Amen. Stand to your feet. Father, would you be with us today? You are Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, we believe that you are true, that you are real, that you are the son of the living God. And we thank you this December season, this Christmas, for reminding us of the good news that you lived the life that we could never live. You died the death that we deserved, but you rose from the grave victorious, and you offer new life to those who put their trust in you, for those who hope in you. We get to experience peace and joy, a peace and joy that is unlike any other. And God, I pray right now that you would remind us of that. God, even in our own storms and our great challenges, God, would you remind us of the hope of Jesus this morning? That our eyes would be fixed on you.
if you're standing here this morning and you know you have never truly put your faith in Jesus, you've never put your hope in him, then this morning is your morning. The light has come. The light of Jesus Christ is driving out the darkness. Right where you are, right where you're standing, say, Jesus, I put my faith in you. You are the king of my life. You are my savior. You are the hope of my heart. I put my faith in you and you alone, and I turn and follow you today.